Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host, and the show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. The library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Seniors Straight Talk. They can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is now also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. So please remember to click, like, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stress overwhelmed and stretched, watch out for my upcoming free caregiver distress recovery challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Strategies that will help you feel re-energized and recharged as you face life's challenges. Family members taking on, considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. And my latest book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve? is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences all over the country. I'm honored that Dr. Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book, and I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. I'm proud that Seniors Straight Talk has a collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Seniors Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm proud to have Olive Community Services, a nonprofit organization in Fullerton, California, as a Senior Straight Talk sponsor. Olive Community Services is dedicated to providing culturally appropriate services to the diverse senior population. And I'd also like to welcome Active Pure Technology as a Senior Straight Talk sponsor. Active Pure Technology is an active patent technology that is the clean air solution for COVID pollution. Active Pure Technology delivers measurable and guaranteed results, giving you the peace of mind to know that you are providing a safe environment and the best protection for the people you care for, whether in your business or in your home. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest who is the CEO and founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution, which helps individuals minimize misunderstandings and meltdowns in order to communicate with more collaboration, cooperation, and consideration. 
a creator of the Guidance Approach to Parenting, a program that applies conflict resolution skills to communicating more effectively with children. She has positively influenced relationships for generations and brought about healing and reconciliation in families that were suffering from disconnection. For over 20 years, she's taught and coached thousands of parents, educators, social workers, and medical professionals in half a dozen countries through her popular workshops, coaching programs, TEDx talks, and 250-page comprehensive training manual and an ebook. She is also a trained mediator, attended law school, has certifications in different trauma models, teaches a breathing meditation modality with the Art of Living Foundation, and ran her own commodities trading business in Hong Kong for 30 years. She's a three times TEDx speaker and Amazon best-selling author of Seven Strategies to Keep Your Relationship with Your Kids from Hitting the Boiling Point, which reached the number one spot in both the parenting and parenting teenagers categories, as well as the number two spot in the parenting and relationships category. For her expertise, she has been featured on ABC 10, Your California Life, Good Day LA, Good Morning Washington, Good Morning Texas, Great Day Washington, Atlanta and Co., Fox 31 Denver, 4CBS Denver, CBS 8 San Diego, The Donnie Walker Morning Show, and has been guest on over 40 podcasts. So it is with great pleasure that I introduce to you Catherine Celery. Alice, it's so great to be here. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, wow. That is, that. That, is, <laughs> that is just incredible. I mean, I, I, it's, it's just incredible, the body of work that you created and so impactful for so many people around the world. So Thank you. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to this from a commodities trader in Hong Kong to the Conscious Parenting Revolution, which, by the way, I love that, that name, Conscious Parenting. That's so great. Because so many of us parent and, and we're not really conscious about the process. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, just to come to this really as somebody who needed this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say you teach what you need to learn. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so I needed to learn everything I teach. And I, I mean, I've been doing it now for 25 years, but I still get something out of every conversation I have. And it nurtures me to nurture others in something that I think is life-saving work. And so, you know, I really feel like what I get to do is save lives and relationships because I know the cost of what we lose when we don't take the time to go deeper into why we do what we do, why we say what we say, and how we approach each and every person, you know, precious human being in our lives. Um, our children, of course, you know, they, we could just rip our hearts out right now and stick them on our shoulder. And, you know, that's essentially what parenting is, right? right. Every little bobo, every little disappointment they go through, every little, you know, whatever, um, and our hearts, you know, get torn up. So I, you know, I had a child, you know, our son is 27 years old and our daughter is 22. And we 
my husband and I were literally, we would look at each other like, you know, I know we're supposed to do something like some kind of discipline is needed here. I wonder what we should do. <laughs> been there, done that. Although I probably uh, went overboard in the other direction, but whatever. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, you know, but I mean, everybody just does their best is what I know. Absolutely. That's the bottom line is everybody's doing their best with what they have, where they are, under the circumstances. Correct. And none of us have the privilege or the right to judge anyone else. We just can't. I agree. And yeah. and and there are no playbooks here. There, there are, are no playbooks. Manuals. I mean, I think what you're doing is probably the closest thing to it. Um, I yeah. remember that my uh, mother used to tell me that my father used to say to her, um, because my mother used to read Dr. Spock. I mean, that was the big, uh, you know, sure. guidebook when I was a child. And yeah. um, he used to say, well, the book doesn't say what you should do when the child doesn't do what the book says the child should do. When you did what you did, I think you follow that. But <laughs> I followed it, which basically means that unless the child read the book, right. they don't know what they're supposed to do, so that the parents know what they are supposed to do, and it's, result, it's total pandemonium. <laughs> um, but there's nothing. I don't know. I mean, I say there's nothing. I in my life, there has been nothing that can pull the rug out from underneath me quite like my kids. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, um, there was a period of time a few years ago, I, I, you know, we've all gone through uh, trials and tribulations with our kids. And I was going through a trial and tribulation with mine, who my son who lives in uh, California. And um, uh, we hadn't spoken in a few months, which was not customary, but it was this stretch of time. And uh, my daughter called me one day and said she was concerned that he he was depressed and that he might hurt himself. And I thought I was going to die. I mean, I just I, I I just thought I was going to die. My heart just like you said, it, it literally felt like it was ripped out of my body. And of course, we spoke, and that wasn't the case, but that was her feeling about it. And Oh yeah, it's 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 truly excruciating, agonizing. Correct. And <laughs> there's nothing any manual will ever do to get us through this. <laughs> Absolutely not. But you have come up with some kind of yeah. um solution a way, I'll say. I don't want to say solution, but a way yeah. that helps people navigate this terrain. So I think tell us, you know, the main thing is that what can we do not to activate problems or how can we avoid pouring gasoline on fires? Right. right. Um, and I meet a lot of parents and I see what their strategy is to handle the situation. And they could literally just go out and buy a can of gasoline and throw <laughs> it on the situation and it, and it couldn't get much worse. Right. I mean, right. Right. And that's just strategy. That strategy in its skills and its understanding a little bit about, you know, how people respond to certain types of approaches to conflict resolution. Right. And parents, literally, that's what we do every day of our lives is we're constantly in one conflict or another, whether it's, you know, the little world with the little ones where it's about it's time for bed and it's time to, you know, turn off the TV and that kind of world right. or the homework world, or we're getting into the older and it starts being about the gaming. 
right. and going out and how late can I stay out? And then it's the drinking and then it's the drugs and then it's the sex. <laughs> and then, I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, in every single one of these is a conversation that we could call a conflict. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I like to help parents do is not activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, the three R's. Right. So Thomas Gordon spoke about the three R's and it's from his work that I really, I would say, I hone in on this one thing. It's researched. We know a lot about it. Dr. Louise Porter said that 75% of behavioral disruptions are retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. So now that we know 75% of the time what you're dealing with is the three R's. Right. And we know that the three R's are activated by a controlling form of discipline. Hmm. So we can basically say, okay, controlling forms of discipline activate 75% of our problems. If we find another way other than that, we could eliminate three out of four issues. That's a big deal. Then we just have like one left and that doesn't seem so overwhelming. But if you have all three of the R's in the room, you can get really discouraged. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really needed you uh, (laughs) about uh, 39 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where were you then? I'll, tell you, I'll yeah. tell you a little story. And my daughter used to um, tell this story and she thought it was funny. Um, mm. She has now three children and the oldest just turned eight uh, last week. And then the twin girls are five and a half. Uh-huh. Um, so she is experiencing her own challenging times. Um, but she was about two and a half. And we at that time were living in an apartment building and uh, it had steps going up the front, but there was a little side door with a little ramp where we could go to the parking lot. And one day we were walking out and uh, there was a puddle. And I said, okay, come on, jump over the puddle. You know, one, two, three, jump. You know how you say to children. Sure. Yeah. And she stamped through the puddle as hard as she could. And I said, correct. Well, why did you, why did you stamp through the puddle? Mommy said, you, <laughs> you should jump over the puddle. She said, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> and the better part is Phyllis. And then what did Phyllis do? I, 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 I don't think I said anything. I, I really okay, didn't. You were just- I didn't have a response. You were speechless because that one's pretty, like that one could just leave you stumped. Right. Yeah. And she was two and a half. So, and that was only the beginning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can hear that it was only the beginning of what I'm assuming was a pretty challenging parenting, you know, job for the next, I don't know, 15 years, probably maybe 20. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. in a situation like that, what, I mean, because you could kind of see where that's going. I mean, that that's kind yes. of like a the headline is right in front of you, right? <laughs> and that's, where, <laughs> that's where you're getting it two and a half. Uh, in all likelihood, that's not going in a great direction, right? Yeah. So how that would you mediate something like that? Or how would you suggest somebody sure. respond in a situation like that? Well, chances are you probably had started to see what we're going to call this aspect of this particular child that you had is being autonomous. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So this is probably not the first thing that had happened where you saw this glimmer of, wow, you know, I have a very autonomous self-directed child. Right. Yeah. So that was your first sort of like clue. Nobody tells us this, as we know, there's no manual where you can turn to autonomous children and what do I do? (laughs) But if we had had that, 
then we would know. And I had one of those. So first I had what we call a belonger, the, the child that wants to please you. They actually are upset if you're upset. They don't want to upset you. Right. So they will modify their behavior in order to prevent you from being upset. So those children are easier to raise, but there's danger in what I just spoke about. Yes, I can. We'll just push that over there for a minute because most people wouldn't see that as dangerous. They would see it as a blessing, right? Like, thank God I've got a kid who cares about me and they want to keep, you know, everything like they do so much, la, la, la. Anyway, so then we've got your autonomous daughter. And these are the kids who really, you know, try parents because they have such strong self-direction needs. Right. And those very needs to be self-directed while admirable in an adult are not appreciated so much in children. And when they exercise their needs for self-determination and self-direction, they're frequently told that they're, you know, inconsiderate, disrespectful, naughty, misbehaving, inappropriate. There's a whole list of words oh, absolutely. to those children. Hmm. And what we really want those children to do is we want them to learn how to be considerate of other people in the room. But the difference is, do I want this child to be obedient and compliant or do I want this child to be considerate? So the cornerstone of the training that I do is to really like hone that edge of what is it that we really want our children to be? Of course, we want them to be cooperative. Of course, we want them to pitch in. Of course, we would like them to be, you know, uplifting and happy and, you know, all the rest of it. We don't like the slamming the doors, the jumping in the puddle, the I hate you mommies. I mean, there are all kinds of things that come out of these children that are hard to grapple with. So the first thing is really this keynote, you know, the cornerstone idea of separation and individuation. And do we allow our children to be separated and individuated? Do we give them the right to have their own inner worlds? Or are they supposed to mirror us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mirroring us thing. You know, I've done three TED Talks. One of them is really about this whole thing of being cathected. Mm-hmm. And maybe you and I spoke about Alice Miller's work. I think briefly. Very yeah. Briefly. The drama of the gifted child. One of right. the cornerstone, like, you know, manuals in my life. She spoke out loud about a dynamic that I hadn't ever found words for. Right. And it's the dynamic of the caregiver needing their children to mirror them. Right. If I say it's hot today, you say it's hot today. Right. If I say this is a wonderful thing and a great color on you, you agree. Right. If, you know, it's that whole idea of not really knowing how to be able to speak up. Because the caregivers made it really clear, your job is simply to reflect back Hmm. my perspective. Yeah, very interesting. Um, You know, as a speech and language pathologist, um, I always say that it's, it's, well, every child is born with their own personality. um, Innately, we all have our own personalities. Um, I also say that, you know, I could have contributed to some of this also. Because I was always explaining and giving reasons and talking. And it was constant, almost nonstop from the time she was a child. I was always showing her things. And even when she was a a child and necessarily couldn't really understand what I was saying, I always gave her that body of information. So this was inside of her. 
and and this way of thinking and reasoning and she does have that kind of mind so in a way it kind of goes with what you just said but it wasn't an agreement but it was a way of mirroring back in a way i see what you're saying yeah yeah and the reason that I think this is such an important conversation before we go to a break is because there are many people out there who are raising their grandchildren. Yes. And um, these would be, you know, it's a different generation now. Uh, Absolutely. With kids and, and we were raised as, as grandparents in a different way. And yes. I think having these insights are really terrific. But also there is so many uh, people that are now in relationships with their older parents. Yes. And those dynamics are, you know, very well entrenched in those relationships. But this could be eye-opening even at that at that point, I would think. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You know, this is where you, you know, I'm gonna say it this way. I hope it's not, you know, wrong, but you want to heal these relationships before people pass away. Oh, I think that's a perfect way to say it. Yeah. So um, we're going to um, be right back on Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. And uh, we're having this phenomenal conversation with Catherine Celery about uh, relationships, I'll say, right? Yeah. So we'll be right back. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. All of Community Services is a 501c3 that provides culturally appropriate services to seniors, their family, and the community. Through their interactive programs, Olive engages participants physically and mentally with a focus on building strength, mobility, and mental health. To learn more, get involved, or make a donation, visit olivecs.org. Together, let's live, learn, and thrive. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now, back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. And Catherine Celery and I are talking about relationships, relationships with children. And before we went to break, we started talking about relationships with older parents. Yeah, so the ones where we're the children. Right, correct. Yeah, where we're the children and we're trying to resolve. I was on a call with someone, and I can't remember who it was offhand, but they were talking about how... um, they had their grown daughter and her husband and that her daughter started saying things to her like, um, I don't feel like you ever let me have my voice. Wow. Yeah. Really powerful. Hmm, Really, really powerful. And I didn't feel like I could say things in front of you if you were going to get upset. 
Wow. And that, you know, your emotional responses have limited my ability to be able to be honest, transparent, and Mm. connect with you in ways in which I feel like it's authentic. Wow. And I mean, this is huge, huge, huge. And I mean, the thing that was so impressive, two things to me, number one was that the daughter had found her voice. Correct. And was able to speak to her mom and confront her. And number two, that mom was not triggered. Right. That she listened and, and took it in, didn't get defensive, you know. Exactly. Uh, it reminds me of um, when I was, I don't remember what age. And I said something to my mother about my life or my growing up years or whatever. And um, she didn't take it very well. Mm, It was like, you're feeling sorry for yourself or you. And it was a similar kind of, it wasn't such an in-depth kind of um, insight and, and voicing of feelings, but it was something like that where I was trying to say what I was feeling or what I experienced and, and uh, it didn't go any place. Didn't go very well. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I had a simple phenomenal. I think that's really, <laughs> I mean, I celebrate that family because right. somehow that daughter found her herself. Right. Was able to speak up from that place, trust it, right? right. Speak up from it. And the mother was able to hold the space for it. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's just an incredible touchdown. And I can remember with my own mother who, um, I spoke to about, I, you know, I, I have this program. I've been running this program for years and I brought my program with everything back home summer after summer after summer because we've been living in Asia, right, for 32 years. And we'd come back to the United States. I'd bring everything with me with the intention that this summer, this is the summer when mom and I are going to go through my training program. This is it. We're going to do it. And um, summer after summer, you know, I would say to mom, you know, hey, mom, I, you know, I teach, I actually teach communication skills now. And um, of course, my mother was my greatest teacher. So, you know, I have her to thank for my entire career. But in any event, I said, you know, I think that our communication could be better. I'd love for us to do this together. You know, would you be willing to do that? And she said, there is nothing wrong with my communication. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. Yeah, it was a closed door. Right. And so that was so threatening um, to even try to open that door. And I think about it often. My mom has passed on now, but I think about, you know, was there another way that we could have um, spoken about is what else would have been the possibility of not threatening, saying that in a way that somehow felt like wrongness to her? Or criticism, or, or I was going to say, or, or accusatory. Yeah, or something I mean, it that wasn't meant to be that. Right? No, I, I didn't sound that way to me. But yeah. obviously, I'm not in that dynamic, right? And we don't. But know I think those are the key words, words. right? And right. and we also don't know what she was feeling inside. What maybe feelings she had, or even um, yeah. guilt, or or whatever that she felt that she could have done better or differently. And that could have, listen to me, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, but we both know that this yeah, is true. That, that we yeah, don't that, know what it stirred inside that she correct. was a solid no. Correct. But one of the things I say in my training relative to children, but actually it's relative to human behavior, is that when you get that solid door slam, the question is, what are they saying yes to inside of themselves? Mm-hmm. 
right? So it really is the wondering, like, I wonder what's going on inside of you that you're a solid no to my training program. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it does sound like, you know, you're being schooled. I'm not really sure, but how we approach these delicate conversations and how we work through them, you know, I'm trained as a mediator. Right. And mediation really is about keeping each of the parties in the conversation. Right. So that they don't leave the table so you can actually accomplish something. So nobody can feel accused and they can't feel like the mediator is taking sides. Right. And all of that is easier to do when it's not your own life. Absolutely. Listen, I'll I'll tell you a a little story. (coughs) And it just goes along with what you're saying. So um, many years ago, I separated from my ex-husband and um, I, you know, was having some challenges with my children and we went to see a psychologist. (laughs) I'll never forget it. And this one time he said that he was having some challenges with his teenage daughter and he wound up standing in front of the door with a hockey stick, I think he said, to prevent her from leaving the house. Oh, my God. I love that. I think my daughter was about 13 at the time or 14. She said, well, how is he going? How is he going to help us, Mom? He's going through this. I think we need to go back and shop for another another therapist. I mean, listen, he obviously felt comfortable saying it. I don't know that I would have told that to somebody that I was trying to help with their relationship. But, you know, it's always easier when it's somebody else. Of course. No matter yeah. how you say it. So it could have been, you know, you could have had the most perfect, what would have seemed like the delivery. Perfect yeah, perfect delivery. Right. But but um, you don't really know what's happening in, inside of that person that exactly like, this. I can't do this. Right. This is this is too painful or. Yeah. Too close. You know, a lot of conditions have to be met in order for those conversations to be productive rather than right. um, ineffective. On the other hand. I think the adult children, us, right? The adult children who are trying to work through, you know, some of the ways in which there's a reflection back on how they, how we were raised right? with some ideas about, you know, that really wasn't so helpful. Um, And I know you were trying to do your best at the time and so forth, but it can have dynamics with everybody in the family. It can be also between you and your sibling Correct, um, because sibling relationships are complex. Right. Very and complicated. I, and, and I think as I brought up before we went to break about, you know, adult children who are now dealing with their older parents and some of those conversations that they have to have and uh, the roots and the foundations of those relationships impact those conversations and also amongst the siblings. I mean, uh, it's, it's very challenging. And you're also dealing with challenging issues about care and people's independence and autonomy and maybe losing some of that or losing some memory. Um, I, I could see where what you do could also be very helpful at that end of the spectrum. I mean, I work with totally. families on that also. Yeah. I've, I've worked with thousands of families in over 50 nursing homes, and, and you can see the struggle wow. that a lot of people experience. You know, I think it's so complex because our society as a whole doesn't really take on death and dying. Right. 
it doesn't take on death and dying and the ceremony around transitioning. So there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of feelings in the room. Right. Absolutely. And nobody's really prepared. Right. And, and there are promises that are made and there are societal implications, social, religious, cultural expectations. There's so much that goes into it. It's, it's really pretty incredible. Um, And it comes to this, this point. um, And, and there's just, there's so much, you know, I, I've said to people very often, I'm sure this makes a lot of sense to people. A lot of people would rather have a conversation about funeral arrangements Mm. Uh, than having to have a conversation about taking keys away from someone because it's no longer safe for them to drive. That is so true. Oh my gosh. I feel like I could just tell story after story after story right, right now. <laughs> Talk about our time. My father, my mother. In fact, one of the last things my mother wanted to do, she was in her last few months of, of her life. And what, what did she need me to help her do? renew her license. Oh my goodness. Yep. So we went in and she had everything. She had, you know, the eye test, she had perfect vision. She, I mean, the whole shebang. That's how important that that driver's license was. She never drove again, but she needed to have it. She needed to be able to, if she needed to. Interesting. Now, was it safe for her to drive? She was okay as a driver. Yeah. Um, she, she was okay. My father-in-law, on the other hand, who recently uh, transitioned, he was not safe and um, he was in the military um, once upon a time. And so he, as a vet, they will actually test you. You probably know that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he went to the vet, actually my, my husband's sister had him go there because she figured, well, you know, he'll, he'll respond bond better if they do the test. They wouldn't let him drive off the property. Oh, wow. They would not let him drive off the property. They took away his license right then and there. And, and that's a very difficult thing. It's a, I mean, he was mad. He was right. mad. People, men especially feel emasculated, right? Yeah. I mean, and I know like, you know, maybe it's a little bit less so now with Uber and Lyft and the, the easy ability to get around. Right. You know, it could be that we're coming on a different generation here because my kids, for example, you know, there wasn't the same like, I'm going to be go out and get my driver's license the minute I can. Right. Because right. they take Ubers and they take Lyfts and they've got all these other ways. And we grew right. up, in, my children right. grew up in Hong Kong and there's also the subway system, which is like New York City. It's amazing. Right. And right. so they could get anywhere on the subway and started taking the subway pretty early. Like, I don't know, like 10, 12, they were already taking the subway. Awesome. Yeah, it's that safe of a city. Hmm. I don't know if that would be okay in other places, but yeah, they could go and they could do public transport and all this other stuff. And so there's a lot of freedom in that. That's the freedom that driving a car gave us. So it's interesting you say that because my mother did not drive. Hmm. She was a homemaker and she did not drive. And she was dependent upon my father anytime she wanted to go someplace, unless it was walking distance. And then there was always the bickering about whether he wanted to go or didn't want to go or how long it would take her once they got there. And I vowed that as soon as I could, I would get a driver's license and I would be independent and I would not be at the mercy of anyone having to drive me anywhere. 
Yeah, so beautiful. I can only imagine if I get to that point, how difficult that would be. Yeah. Well, there's now Uber. Right. But now there's now Lyft. Right. So I think for elderly, the opportunity to give up is not as hard because you're not destitute at home because you can call an Uber and you can go anywhere you want. Right. And you can get home and it's all safe. And so there are more possibilities, but taking the keys away from, you know, a generation where, They've been driving their whole life. I mean, for my father, it was huge, huge, right. huge, huge. Right. So how do you um, recommend having those conversations? Well, you'd have to start really by sitting down and saying, you know, I always say if you've got a difficult conversation, it's really nice to sit down and some, to, with somebody and let them know this is really hard for me. Right. Exactly. I'm having a really hard time you know, getting the courage to have this conversation with you because I I know it's not going to be easy for us. Now that gives them a little bit of warning. They know there's going to be, and my kids will do this with me, right? They'll say, mom, I got to talk to you about something. And I'm really worried about how you're going to respond. And I'm always like, oh my God, what is it? Now I'm so worried about what they're going to say that I'm less worried about my response. And it always works out well because now I've been pre-warned And so when they say something to me, I'll tend to say something more along the lines of, I'm sorry that you thought that this would be hard for us to have a conversation around. I want you to always feel like we can talk about anything, you know, that kind of thing. It really sets things up well. So you're saying the same thing with your, with your family member, you know, dad, mom, whoever it may be, you know, I'm really struggling to have this conversation because I know how deeply you feel about your freedom and autonomy. Right. And, um, and I, if I didn't have to have this conversation, I wouldn't. And I'm also, I'm compelled to say that I have to have this call, you know, or right. meet you or whatever. And, you know, we got to talk about this because I'm really worried about other people. And, yeah. you know, if it weren't a safety issue and other people's lives weren't at stake, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And I know this must be really hard for you because I know how much you love your freedom and autonomy. I also recommend if it really gets to the point where it's it's really not going anyplace, to, there's always the possibility of bringing in a third party. For so sure. Interesting, like you said, like your um, yeah, my father-in-law, father-in-law. Who, where they took the license away right then and there. I'm not suggesting that people are in a situation where they do that, but bringing in a doctor or a family friend or a clergy person or somebody that uh, the person feels comfortable with and respects. So it's not necessarily on you that it's just totally agree. You, you, I mean, you doing that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, my sister-in-law and, and uh, <clears throat> the way it was handled with my father-in-law was that they just left it up to the vet's hospital. Right the Veterans Administration in San Francisco, and literally they they have it set up, you know, the parking lots with the cones to test the older vets. Wow. See if they can still drive. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening who has a parent who's a vet, um, you know, that's a really good approach because it's got nothing to do with you. Right. Well, I am a firm believer that past a certain age, people should be tested every few years. Yeah, I agree. I really do. I agree. Because I know with my father, he had macular degeneration. I was just going to say eyesight changes, hearing changes, your response time changes. I mean, those are all important ingredients to being a good driver. Yeah. I mean, I was in the car with my father-in-law and my child, one of my kids, they were pretty little. 
and we were driving back from lunch and um, he fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, gee. Terrified me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, after we got home safely, I mean, I, I literally had to like scream and I saw him nodding off. You know, he was he'd had like a beer at lunch or something and he was out like a light. Oh, and geez. that was the last time I let him drive us. <laughs> I would think so. Right. But it should have been the last time he drived, period. Correct. Right. Right. I mean, and that's the whole thing. And it is one of those things where people are hesitant to talk about it because it's such a big deal. But it's such a big deal. They have to talk about it. Correct. Correct. Because it's not yeah. only for their well-being, but the well-being of the general public. Else, right. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you're not supposed to drive drunk. Right. Because yeah. it's not only about you, but it's about everybody else. This really amounts to the same thing. It does. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, conscious communication is really the ability to be assertive about what you need to talk about without being aggressive. Right. I love yeah. That. Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, an aggressive approach is, you know, no, the keys are gone and you're not going to drive the car anymore and it's done and dusted and there's no more conversation about this. And that's going to create a lot of hard feelings. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, obviously, you know, a different approach is warranted in that situation and many others. So how would people get in touch with you or find out more about what you do or? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I have a website, which is consciousparentingrevolution.com. And so people can go to the consciousparentingrevolution.com. And I've got three common mistakes that parents make. I've got a gaming webinar. I've got my ebook, which is seven strategies to help keep your relationship with your kids from hitting the boiling point, which I'm happy for everybody. It's on Amazon, but we give it out free. Um, so they're welcome to download the ebook. I have blogs that we put out weekly and all kinds of support for families. And if they're really interested in, you know, getting in touch with me personally about something that's going on, they can always just email me, Catherine at ConsciousParentingRevolution.com. Awesome. Well, this has been just fantastic. It's been so great. What a blast. And not, not only that, I mean, I feel like I got some tips from you also, because um, as you can imagine, that two and a half year old uh, girl has grown into a, a beautiful and responsible and capable 41, uh, um, a woman age 41. However, that relationship <laughs> isn't as smooth all the time either. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and I always say that, that, sh that those, those, um, that, that autonomy, that I, that idea for independence was great in the world. It isn't so great when you're the parent of that child. So it's, it's just what you say. Yeah. But, but it's it certainly in terms of being, you know, the person now who advocates for her own children, who, you know, is able to, you know, organize and get things done and is capable and has original ideas about things and mm. is able to speak up about things. I mean, those are phenomenal traits that you that I value yeah. and I admire and respect in my daughter. So, uh, sure. like you say, it's a little bit of a uh, it's a balancing act, right? It's a balancing act. And, you know, the, the beauty of your relationship with her is that, I mean, it's just the heart. Right. It's really the key is that, you know, as long as we are coming from a place of I'm going to stick until I get connection again, and I'm not really sure what's going to be required, but I know I love you. 
And, um, and if you love me too, then we'll get there. Right. I love We'll that. get there. Yeah. I love so, that. I mean, it's so funny, you know, in terms of my own like leadership in the space, I once upon a time was really about teaching all these techniques. I've got millions of them. And then I got to another place in my training where I thought, you know what, you can blow it. But if you're coming from that place of deep care and love, and I'm, I'm here and I'm going to stick with it in all my flawed communication, you'll get to the same place. Hmm. I love, <laughs> you can I love get that. to the same place because you care. Right. Right. And that is the heart of the matter, literally and figuratively. Right? It is literally and figuratively it. And it is what, I mean, any, any relationship can be healed. Any relationship can be healed. I yeah. agree. I agree. If, if, but it takes two parties who really want to see the value in that and are committed to doing that. It does. Um, and how we warm up a party that's not warm, you know, there are ways to do that too. Okay, well, I'll hope that we we'll reach out to you to find out about that because uh, I'm. Sh- it's obvious that you have so much value that you can give to people. Um, yeah, uh, I, I hope they will reach out to you, and um, because uh, you know, relationships are tough. I mean, relationships uh, are tough, and you know, we don't, we don't. I don't know. You know, I mean, just kind of. I guess the parting words of wisdom here. You know, my experience personally and professionally is that we don't have models necessarily. Correct. When we were growing up, that taught us the interrelational skills. Right. They taught us a lot of things, and you know, everybody again is always doing their best. So we can look on the parents that may not have had the skills to pass down to us as doing the best with what they had. Absolutely. And and we're doing the best with what we have. And we're doing the best and we're flawed too. Absolutely. So all of us get to be flawed together and all of us get to rise like the phoenix out of the ashes because we can all actually do 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. We can upgrade. Right. We can upgrade and we can also say, you know, hey, um, I look back on the way I handled that and I know I was doing everything I could at the time with all I had. And I I think I've got an upgrade version now. Right. I mean, it's another scab at it. I love that. And you're going to help us do that. So Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. Catherine. So All much. right, Phyllis. It's so great. Thank you so much. So, it's been a joy. join me on the next episode of Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology, for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.